in their efforts to mm-hmm. make a really cute baby bird, they made it less cute yeah. by being inaccurate. Nomadic cowbirds and poking the puffballs. I like turtles. And lightsaber frog calls. Fresh series got filled with persimmon seeds. My name is Nicole Brown. And I'm Rachel Roth. We're from the GPNC, and you're listening to That's My Favorite, the podcast where we geek out with naturalists. Today, Rachel gets to geek out. Oh, boy! (laughs) What will you be geeking out today about? Um, One of my favorite birds, which, as you know, everything is my freaking favorite. So, it's just one of my favorite birds. Don't, it's not fair, as previously discussed, in Best Beetles to make somebody have to, like, choose their favorite yeah um before we actually start like the podcast podcast can i read our first five star review that we got oh yes please okay and give give them a shout out what's her name well i have it i have to pull it up oh gosh (laughs) no but for the record um they reviewed us like a long time ago also not like a long time ago but a while back and also uh we do have other five-star reviews. This is just the only person who has left us, like, a written review. Aww. So we have a bunch of five-star reviews, but nobody gave us any words. They were just like, cool. We have six ratings. Hmm. And they're all five stars, which is really cute. Okay, so my Myersa78, my Ersa78, I don't like know how Ursa to say Ursa Bear? No, like, with an E. Myers A 78 says... Entertaining and informative natural history. Learn facts you never knew and notice things you never noticed by hearing about the favorite topics of naturalists. Great apostrophe cast every time. So I think that means podcast, but yay! Aww. Thanks, Myers A. Thanks 78. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll totally give people shout outs if you give us good reviews. Yeah. And uh, for those listeners who are new to podcasting, Apple iTunes is for some reason the only podcast app where you can actually leave reviews, which mm-hmm. is really sad to me. But yeah, there you go. Leave us a review if you like us. Or if you don't like us, tell us what we're doing wrong. Yeah. Or you can, I don't mind getting emails either. No. You can you can review my email inbox all day long as Ooh. long as it's positive. In fact, we actually have a um, email for this podcast if you're not sure who to yell at. So you can email your aggressive emails or whatever or your happy praising emails <laughs> to my favorite at gpnc.org and uh, one of us will be like, "Yo, thanks for the feedback. Love you, fam." <laughs> Even if it's negative, we'll still say we love you. Yes, because negative <laughs> reviews are like the only way we can grow and improve. Absolutely. Anyway, let's talk about some birds. Let's talk about some birds. Now, the thing about this podcast for us that's kind of funny is um, because we're only talking about our favorite things, a lot of these things we just constantly rave about <laughs> around the building. And this is one of those topics. So, Phalaropes, as a group, are one of my favorite birds. And I'm always talking about phalaropes. I work them into like every program. Our other series, Naughty Nature, I have talked about them on that podcast. Well, not the podcast, actually. I've only talked about them in in the live show, which Nicole was at every single one of them. It's true. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So not a a new topic, but I wanted to geek out about them. Yeah. Yeah. They're so cool. I'm excited still. I'm sure we'll still learn some cool stuff. So. Yeah. I mean, you've probably not gone up and, and like looked up phalaropes to learn more than the things I've already ranted and raved about. No, I <laughs> so. just rely on you for all of my bird information. I never fair. Google it myself. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, same <laughs> with like bees and stuff. Sometimes I'll look it up, but mm-hmm. if I've got a person that, you know, is deeply in love with them and I can just ask them, why would I bother yeah. trying to find a good resource? <laughs> yeah, just make them do all the work. It's yeah, fine. Exactly. <laughs> So yeah, I love phalaropes. They're just so cool. Mm-hmm. Can you describe what like an average phalarope body is? Paint me a beautiful mental picture. A beautiful mental picture. Okay, so phalaropes are a shorebird. Mm-hmm. So for any of our non-bird savvy people listening, a shorebird is one of those birds that's kind of petite. So they're small, but they've got long legs and they typically have like longish beaks although i say that plovers don't have like super long beaks and the 
beak shape can be kind of different, but um, you're not picturing a heron that has a big stabby beak or anything like that. It's just like a tiny little petite beak. And phalaropes are a type of shorebird that is, I guess, really angular. Yeah. Yeah. Like their tail <laughs> makes like a weird triangle and like oh it's usually sticking up and they have these weird foreheads. <laughs> so like, okay, picture like a basketball. Got it? Yes. It's a basketball. It's a basketball. Now go like two thirds of the way down the basketball and put a beak there. I don't like that. Yeah. It's kind of different. <laughs> it's a, not a great visual, but you know, like it's just a, it's just a weird looking little bird for a shorebird and they don't have huge mm-hmm. long beaks. But they are the kind of birds that will use their beak to probe sometimes in the mud and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, I guess, what we would consider like the the tweezer type beaks, where they're just <laughs> using them to just like kind of pick things up, yeah, or out of the water and stuff like that. Yeah, okay. it's a okay. little okay. little shorebird, and probably the most widely recognized shorebird is a killdeer. Yes, which is a plover. So mm. wait, I'm, is it plover? Or plover, you know, official stance right now. Uh, Everyone at GPNC has to use this term from now on. From now on, I'm gonna say plover. Really? Yes, even though that is not the accepted <laughs> way to say it in America. <laughs> but in my defense, well, no, not actually my defense. I just love the way it sounds. And then, like, you can say that you're a plover lover. <laughs> oh my gosh! And I just really like that. It's very superficial and pedantic and it doesn't matter that much but but um you'll probably hear people in america say plover and you'll probably hear canadians and Mm -hmm. europeans say plover is the difference and i hung out an entire summer with a canadian who was researching phalaropes and she said plover and i just really liked the way that she said it and she also had the opinion that it should be plover lovers Uh and so i just thought you know that's the better opinion so I love changing my opinion when I find that my opinion is the incorrect position. And in this case, plover is incorrect Okay, <laughs> in okay, my heart. Okay. I'll take it. Only okay. because of the plover lover. Plover lover. <laughs> so anyway, killdeer are the most encountered plover or show, shorebird, broadly speaking. So those are the ones that run around in your driveway or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they have long scream. legs. They scream. Yeah, they do. They go, killy, killy. And what's coolest about killdeer is that they'll pretend to be injured and they'll try to lead you away from your nest. So Mm -hmm. if you've encountered them in the summer here in Kansas or anywhere in this region, you've probably seen them do that. Like they'll kind of go a little bit far away from you and they'll get on the ground and they'll flap their wings helplessly and like flutter around. And and because they have that bright reddish tail, Mm -hmm. it's, it's more of like an orange reddish, but they will fan that out and just like act like they're super injured and if you go closer to investigate then oh miraculously they're fine and they'll fly off like another few feet and then act like they're injured again and what they're doing is they're leading you away from their nest or their Mm. babies yeah that's awesome shorebird babies are ridiculous and lovely and i love them so much they really are though yeah so that's a shorebird though if you can picture that bird it's got like two little black necklaces uh, an evil looking red eye And um, kind of a short beak. Uh, so the, the beak can be longer, obviously. We don't need to say that again. I've already hashed that out. But yeah, that's that's a short beak. I love that you called it necklace. <laughs> what else would it be? It's a I necklace. Don't know. Usually just people say like bars on their neck. But well, necklace that's a stupid is stupid way, way to describe it. <laughs> I agree now that I've heard necklace. That's way better. <laughs> like, would but... you say that, that metal arcs have like a V shaped marking on their neck? Or would you I say mean, that it yeah. has a black necklace? No, I've never said necklace. Really? But I'm going to from now on. Yeah, that's what I'm not saying you're wrong. No, I'm not wrong. I'm correct. (laughs) Fair, fair, Well, because, like, nobody can picture, like, oh, it's got two two black collars or whatever. Like, no, they've got a black necklace. Mm -hmm. Like, that's a really good way to describe it to people who don't know bird terminology or whatever. Yes, yes. I love it. as people who work with the public, Uh it's nice having ways to describe things that aren't super scientific. Yeah, no, for sure. But, okay, so, like... The collared lizard, does he have collars or does he have necklaces? <sighs> they have chokers. <laughs> I mean, that's accurate because yeah. it's like straight across their neck instead of like <laughs> dipping down. Yeah. Oh my I guess, gosh. I guess um, if you wanted, so like when you think of a necklace, you think of it going down the front, mm-hmm. you know, and so I guess I can see why you'd call a collared lizard a collared lizard because yeah. like, you know, collars are more like mm-hmm. around the back of your neck. 
I don't know. Who cares? I mean, I care. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> uh, oh, geez. Also, I have probably have to edit this out, but I have a funny story with Killdeer. Oh, please tell me. Um, one time, me and Tiff were hanging out in Rose Hill, and we there's a bunch of Killdeer just everywhere, and we were just kind of. Tiff is Nicole's former roommate in case yes. we don't edit this out. Yes. Oh, gosh. Okay. Um, so <laughs> me and Tiff were hanging around in Rose Hill by this new pond they just built. And, like, uh-huh. immediately killed her. We're just all over it. Of course. Just nesting everywhere, just screaming at us when we would walk around it. Just absolutely everywhere. And I didn't know anything about them. Like, I knew they were killed deer, cool. But I didn't know about the, like, faking being hurt and, like, yeah. leading you away thing when I first encountered them. And um, they did that. They, like, kind of limped away from us. And we're like, oh, dang, is this bird, like, actually hurt? Mm-hmm. And, like, we went to, like, go get it. And it didn't fly away. And we picked it up. And <gasps> I didn't expect that to happen. Oh I just, like, gosh. picked up this wild bird. And I was like... <laughs> I don't know what to do now. <laughs> like, I didn't think that it would actually let me catch it. Yeah. Like, was it actually injured? Then? No. I was just like, I don't know what to do. And I, like, put it down on the ground and it, like, looked at me and then it just flew away. No oh problem. Oh, my gosh. That's like, so funny. It was, we just kind of were both surprised. Like, me and the killer were both surprised that, like. That this had actually happened. Yeah. Like, he, yeah. he didn't attack me at all when I had him in my hands. Like, he just was just staring at me. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nothing bad would happen if that happens. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, as a bird professional, I would say, of course, don't do that. But <laughs> if you get surprised and something actually happens, <laughs> just be like, wow, that was weird. And, like, don't put it in a cardboard box under your bed or something. Yeah, just yeah. do what Nicole did and let it go. Yeah. I, well, because, like, I was going to watch it and see if it was, like, actually hurt. Yeah. And then it just flew away and was fine. I was like, okay yeah and then i probably googled it and i was like oh it was just leading me away from its babies yeah, and i never found so the nest bizarre, because though. yeah it's super bizarre but yeah their nests are like super well camouflaged i oh, never found yeah. a nest. it's crazy and we can talk about um shorebird nesting like a little bit mm-hmm. like maybe later because it's not yeah it's related to one of the coolest things about phalaropes okay. but the things that make killdeer nests so mm-hmm. cool are also things that make phalarope nests somewhat cool like nice. phalaropes use different like habitat Mm -hmm. for their nest but a lot of those things are very similar also i guess this should bring to mind the fact that um shorebirds as their name implies are very associated with water Mm -hmm. so we usually think of them as having super long legs Mm -hmm. to wade out into water but some shorebirds swim yeah and some shorebirds run around in the mud and some shorebirds don't actually live around water like one of my favorite shorebirds besides phalaropes (laughs) is the upland sandpiper Mm, and they live in grasslands like they're one of the big four grassland bird species here in kansas so you'll see them just in the middle of the tall grass prairie like this like bird that looks like it has no right to be in tall grass just hanging out going whoop yeah, they make little wolf whistles. They're so unique. Yeah. I love them. The They're first time so I cool. heard one, I definitely thought someone was like catcalling me. And I yeah. was like looking around trying to find like this creeper and I didn't find anything. And yeah, it took me like a long time to figure out it was a bird. You know what also <laughs> took me a long time to figure out was that often when they're wolf, wolf whistling you, mm-hmm. they're not on the ground. They're flying above you. Oh. Have you ever noticed that? No. Because like my job was to find them when mm-hmm. I was like out in the tall grass prairie. Like the most time I've ever spent with upland sandpipers was when my yeah. job was literally to spend all day walking around the prairie looking for bird nests. Mm-hmm. And so I would always hear this whoop, whoop. <laughs> And I would look around and I could never find them. Mm-hmm. And of course, you always look up to. And then I, I learned that usually there were these tiny little shorebird silhouettes way up in the air Dang. above you. And you can really only tell that it's an upland sandpiper because number one, wolf whistle. Yeah. Number two, they have these like really long skinny wings that just kind of twitch. <laughs> like their way, their way of flying is so dorky and weird looking. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh. That's upland awesome. sandpiper. But yeah, even even upland sandpipers will do the broken wing thing though. Did you know mm, that? Dang, no. Yeah, they they will also pretend like they're injured to lead you away from their nest. So it's a trait that a lot of shorebirds actually nice. have in common. Yeah. yeah. I've actually got um, a video of an upland sandpiper doing that to me when we were checking its That's nest. Awesome. Yeah, pretty cool. You should put that on the website. I'll put that on the website. <laughs> yep. So yeah, that's a shorebird. Sorry. That was a bit of a tangent. No, it was a great tangent. <laughs> Tangents are always the best. Good. <laughs> yep. I don't know what you're talking about, though. So. No, it's fine. We're just, I think, identifying <laughs> what a shorebird is. Okay. Okay. Um, so, phalaropes. Why yes. are phalaropes cool? And I maybe it's just because I'm really used to d- 
developing programs, but I always <laughs> like to break down my favorites into lists. I don't think that's a program thing, actually, because I also have my top three like movie soundtracks and oh, stuff like yeah. that. So you can never narrow it down to one, but I always like try to categorize it mm-hmm. because I like trying to justify <laughs> the things that I like. Yeah. I don't know. So I think there's probably two things about Fowler Ropes that I think are freaking cool mm-hmm. and you probably have heard about both of them, but maybe not in super great detail. So obviously what's the first thing that is awesome about Fowler Ropes? Nicole, pop quiz, go. I mean, the one thing I think about is them spinning around in circles on the water. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that actually was not the course. first thing I thought you were going to say. <laughs> but yes, that is definitely one of the things. Their, their okay. feeding behaviors and yes. stuff are just really dorky and interesting. Yeah. yeah. What's number super two? dorky. That's the only thing I can think about right now. You're kidding me. I'm Nicole. sorry. Let me think. We've we've talked about this so much. I talked about it in Naughty Nature. I you talked about a lot of stuff in Naughty Nature. I mean that's true. And but that was like didn't... several months ago. <laughs> you think I remember what happened several months ago? You remember all the Prairie Vole stuff? Oh, but I love them. You know I like small. You don't mammals. love ropes? I do, but I love small mammals more. Okay, that's fair. Your dumb little face. Nicole, you're gonna. I'm so disappointed in you. <laughs> the number one cool thing when I. Dressed up like a fowl. You spun for around Halloween. in circles. I spun around in circles, but I developed my costume specifically oh, okay. to be a female fowler yes. because uh I the males guard nests and stuff and like their their roles are switched to how yeah, we remember. They have totally how we reversed think. gender yeah. roles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Which Sorry. is really cool. Yeah. I thought about wow. that at the very beginning of the episode, but then I I forgot it. Between <laughs> 10 minutes ago and now somehow <laughs> i don't know there's a lot of uh killdeer talk that yeah, took us off i got distracted i really like killdeer me too they're so cute okay focus <laughs> <laughs> fowler ropes um man i totally thought we would end up talking about like the gender role stuff first because that's <laughs> like what's the coolest to me uh-huh. but since you said spinning in circles first i guess we could start there but let it this... just cracks me up it, yeah no it does it's so so ridiculous like i've probably i've i've surely shown you a, pi- a video yes, of yes. them yeah multiple times so here's what's weird about fowler ropes they're i think um the only type of shorebird that actually swims when they're feeding so most shorebirds will walk around in mm-hmm. shallow water they'll stick their beaks into the water to like probe for stuff in the mud or whatever like that little pixar short um, i was just gonna say that yeah it's so cute watch the pixar short piper you can see it on disney plus this is not an endorsement to disney plus but if disney plus wants to give us money then like okay we'll endorse them or Or just find it somehow find it online it's probably on the internet somewhere at any rate um (laughs) you'll see them like chasing the the ocean back and forth to like eat mussels and they'll stick their little beaks in the mud to like pull out mussels and Mm -hmm. clams and little things like that so that's most shorebirds but phalaropes are different they (laughs) swim in fact um if you look them up in uh, like the newer sort of uh field guides Mm -hmm. they'll call them dabblers like a duck so like a mallard when they're feeding they swim around and they'll like stick their little head under the water and their butts up in the air Mm -hmm. phalaropes are considered dabblers interesting yeah isn't that cool so here's what a phalarope does they swim out into the water and they spin in circles (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> little idiots <laughs> they are and it can be like hundreds of them feeding at once like god this, yeah because right? phalaropes are a super super social bird like yeah. every single time of the year even when they're nesting they all hang out together mm-hmm. um sometimes they'll fight over stuff but we can talk about that in gender role stuff yeah. um but they'll they'll migrate in huge groups they hang out during breeding season in big groups mm-hmm. and when we see them here in kansas you're almost certainly going to see more than one of them so yeah. by the way there, there are phalaropes in Kansas. <laughs> and where's the best place to see a phalarope? Oh, and what oh. time? Hang on, hang on. Oh, pause. Okay, we'll talk about that. Okay, okay. fine. Can, can we finish spinning in circles yeah, first, though? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, okay, okay. So they spin in circles, but why? Do you know why? Do you remember why? Uh, I've definitely it, told you before. Oh, multiple times. I'm pretty sure it's just to like kind of kick up the dirt and like. No. Vortex it up to their mouths That's or something. It. They yeah. vortex them up. Yeah. <laughs> it's I, amazing. You know, I think that there's the red phalarope. There's there's three species of phalarope that are in North America. Mm-hmm. Um, the red phalarope, the red-necked phalarope, which is not... It's not the red-necked phalarope. No. It's red It's red-necked phalarope. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, both of them super arctic. And um, then the Wilson's phalarope is the one that you find like... Mm-hmm 
I think it's considered knee Arctic because it's not like in the whole Arctic. So it's not like up in Alaska. Yeah. But you can find it in Canada and stuff. And mm. it's it's like a landlocked bird. Is that the one that's like black and white in winter? They're all black and white in winter. Okay. Well, <laughs> I tried. But the, the Wilson scholar <laughs> tends to be a little bit more reddish brown okay. in winter than the other two. Um, but at any rate, um, the red phalarope, which is like pretty much only in the oceans and on the coastlines and it's super arctic mm-hmm. i think that they're associated with a certain type of whale feeding because they rely what? on whales to actually stir up the mud weird like i think what is it bow bowhead whales is that a thing yeah i don't I mean, know anything about whales bowhead i know whales. a little bit but bowhead whales are a thing okay. i don't know if they're associated with that's, that's definitely the follow-up one because okay. it definitely had the word bow in it i'm not a whale person <laughs> but <laughs> the the red phalaropes i think they used to be called like bowhead oh, yeah. whale phalaropes or something like they they had some mm-hmm. of those common names associating them with those whales because it would be hard to find the whales but if you looked for these dumb little phalaropes Aww. spinning in circles you could find where the whales were feeding because they would follow the whales around yeah. because when the whales would kick stuff up they would spin in circles and their little Steal vortexes it. would yeah <laughs> suck up all the invertebrates that like were oh stirred gosh. up so that's what they're doing because they've got really short beaks yeah so they can't reach the stupid little insects or other invertebrates that are in the water mm-hmm. so they spin in circles Make a little whirlpool that sucks everything up for them to stab their beaks in the water and grab them. Fun fact? Yes. There's no insects in the ocean or in salt water. What? Yeah. In salt water, period? In salt water, period. <gasps> that, like, blew my mind when I thought about that. I I don't think I actually knew that. That's... Yeah. Wait, so every invertebrate in the ocean is, like, an arthropod of some kind? It's like a crustacean? Correct. It is not an insect weird yeah super weird my mind just kind of exploded a little uh, bit i know okay so i'm gonna say invertebrate from now on yes. and not insect thank you and okay that actually leads us to a really interesting place which was okay you asked where do you find phalaropes in kansas or whatever so here's another interesting thing about phalaropes mm-hmm. they are always associated with salt water oh. and saline water yeah okay so where in Kansas would you find salt water? Because there is salt water in Kansas. In the salt marshes of Kavira. Yes! yes! So we actually do have saltwater marshes here in Kansas. That's like a whole habitat type. Yeah. And Quivira and Cheyenne Bottoms mm-hmm. as like kind of a unit are considered to be of hemispheric significance for migratory birds. Oh, yeah. If you look up like migratory bird like maps, uh-huh. like they literally go from like all of Canada, they funnel directly through Kansas yes. and then like spread back out to South America. It's insane. Exactly. And so for phalaropes, especially Wilson's phalaropes, which mm-hmm. migrate like pretty much through the landlocked U.S., they're not mm-hmm. on the coasts at all. Um, it's super important. And because red-necked phalaropes also kind of migrate roughly through the same area. You can occasionally find them in Kansas too, mm-hmm. in places like Quivira, but not as often. And they are really long distance migrants. Yeah. So um, you can find- How long? Like down to the bottom of South America. Dang. Yeah, and that's that's for both species. I don't really know very much about red phalaropes, to be honest, because they're so oceanic. Yeah. And I think in my defense, we don't know very much about their wintering habits anyway mm-hmm. because they tend to just go out in the ocean and they spend yeah. so much time out in the ocean that we just, like, cannot keep track of them. That's crazy. Um, yeah, it's insane to me to think about that. Like, in 2019, we still don't know very much about the wintering habits of some birds. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, I've never looked up what a red phala rope looked like because, my gosh, oh, is that a beautiful, beautiful right? I almost picked that one to dress up for Halloween because the colors were so much cooler. Like, you could paint, like, a giant white circle Ooh, on your eye. Yes. And, like, a big old black stripe going down the middle of your face. Yes. Like, like war paint. <laughs> um, but I just don't like them as much. That's fair. Like, I have a special fondness in my heart for red-necked phalaropes, even mm. though they're not, like, the most common Kansas one. Yeah. Because I have gotten to hold a handful of babies. Mm-hmm in my hand and i've held baby killdeer in my hand for oh science my God. so yes. like yes obviously for science i think that's probably why i like killdeer so much too <laughs> yeah anytime you have like that sort of personal connection with an oh, animal yeah. from getting to work with them mm-hmm. like it's hard to replace that even if another bird is more interesting yeah or something or like more important in like the grand scheme of things but you know whatever yeah it's kind of like the arc darter will always hold a special place in my heart because it was like the first like threatened species that I ever like held in my hands and like looked for in a stream. It was yeah. just very exciting. 
I really want a license plate that says AKDR. <laughs> that says what? AKDR, which is like the shortened like fish name for Arc Darter. Oh my gosh. That's like um bird banding yeah, codes yeah, yeah. for birds. There's like a whole um dialogue mm-hmm. going on in the bird meme community. Yeah. Which like we're we're both in. We're very yes, in the bird meme community. We're admins of a group. Yeah, we love birding <laughs> memes. Yeah, as you know, people are always like don't use the banding codes for birds. But a lot of the bird nerds that are like the people making memes Mm -hmm. learn it from academic stuff. And we always use that in academics. Mm -hmm. It's hard to break that habit. But yeah, they they spend their winters down in alpine saltwater lakes Mm -hmm. in South America. So they, they have a pretty wide range in South America, but they're always in those mountain ranges like Tierra del Fuego and, um, I think they're in the Andes. Yeah. This is going to make me sound really stupid, but that's a South American mountain range, right? I think so. Okay. I forget all of my mountain ranges all the time. I have to look it up every time. (laughs) And I feel so silly for having to do that, but I I just am not very good at geography. I always have to look it up. Um, Science is not my forte. Yeah. The Andes and and then is it the Patagonia's? Mountain sure. ranges, Patagonia mountain ranges. Sounds right. Yeah. So at any rate, they're, they're staying in those alpine lakes down in South America. Cool. And then they fly back up to like the northern states mm-hmm. and Canada. And here's something kind of cool. If you look at a range map like on Birds of North America of Wilson's phalaropes, mm-hmm. the landlocked ones again, you will see like a little orange spot in Kansas of oh. one place where you can find breeding Wilson's phalaropes oh, in wow. Kansas. Guess where that little dot is? Great Plains Nature Center Lake. No, you're <laughs> no. Quivira, <laughs> of course, because it's a saltwater marsh. Yeah. So yeah, pretty cool. That's where you can find them, and it's really easy to pick them out mm-hmm. because okay, they they will sometimes do the probing, feeding behavior. Certain yeah. phalaropes will, but when they're migrating, they're almost always just swimming in the water, spinning in circles. Oh. So basically, if you see a small bird that's floating in the water like a duck, but is obviously not a duck because it's tiny and has a stabby bill. Yeah. It's a phalarope. Nice. And if it's spinning in circles, <laughs> there's literally nothing else that does that. And it's really obvious. I'll put a I'll put a video of it up because um when you have a whole group of them, mm-hmm. it just makes you dizzy. Yeah. And it's insane. Yeah. Like it's just a whole bunch of phalaropes just spinning in circles. Mm-hmm. And if you stare at it for too long or if you have the miss um what's the word the misfortune if you have the misfortune of getting like a scope if you have like a burning scope out like a telescope basically for birds yeah and all you can see is phalaropes like you'll lose your mind trying to stare (laughs) at these birds like one of those magic eye things yeah no really though (laughs) and because they're always like super black and white Mm -hmm. like it creates this weird kind of flashing effect. Ooh. You might need like a an epilepsy warning oh. for looking at just groups of phalaropes spinning because yeah. that's how like what is when you're looking at I them. Think yeah. about that. That's, that's crazy. crazy. And I wonder, I actually don't know the answer. I'm just like in speculation zone territory right now, but I wonder how they manage to not get dizzy because they just will continuously spin in circles. Yeah. I bet they have something weird going on with their brain Maybe. to like help them. They, they also totally, you know when ballerinas will do pirouettes fixate on one spot yeah it's i think it's called finding a point yeah i used to do dance when i was a kid (laughs) (laughs) i mean i did tap dance but i didn't want to be a ballerina because i didn't want to wear a tutu so i quit (laughs) (laughs) oh i definitely wore pjs to most of my ballet classes oh my gosh (laughs) like pj pants but they'll yeah fixate on one point like you said and then like their body will turn, but their their head will like find a place to point to, yeah. so that they don't get dizzy. Mm-hmm. When you watch a phalarope, they they will kind of do the same thing. Well, they'll like fix their head in a spot while they're spinning, and then like fix it on a different spot. And yeah. then so as they go around, they find points to focus on. Maybe that's yeah how they do that. Seems like a legit hypothesis. Yeah, but also while they're spinning, they'll randomly like throw their head forward to stab <laughs> yeah. a little invertebrate out of the salt water mm-hmm. <laughs> so like i just i don't get it but yeah, we're not birds so yeah. we don't have their brains that process sight the way they do and we don't have their little yeah that's true eyes yeah anyway crazy mm. indeed i love phalaropes Ooh, ooh. can can i tell you a fun word i mean yeah phalaropes also tend to be semi-palmated <laughs> <laughs> do you know what that word means 
You're a dork. It has to do with their toes, but I can never remember what all. Again, this is one of the things I have to look up every time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a type of toe arrangement mm-hmm. where there's some webbing in between <sighs> parts of the toes. Shorebird toes tend to have some sort of semi-palmate quality where like basically one of their toes or like a pair of their toes rather has like some webbing in it. Okay. And that that is true for phalaropes, but their feet are even cooler. Ooh. And um, I actually just looked this up because I didn't know and it bothered me I didn't know, but their name actually means what their toes are. So oh. phalara means... Coot. Coot? Coot. You know what a coot like, is, yeah, right? Like the yeah, like little they're little guy. black duck-looking water birds. Rails, actually. They're rails, but they, they look like a water bird. And that they're has, always in the water. They're always in the water, yeah, because they swim around like ducks, mm-hmm. but they don't have duck beaks. They have like little yeah. stabby finch beaks. Yeah. They're weird looking. They are. So they have these super lobed feet. Mm-hmm. And phalaropes also have lobed feet. So the, the genus name is phalaropus, and mm-hmm. the P-U-S means foot okay. so phalarope basically means they have coot feet huh. which is hard to imagine so picture every single toe being a paddle yeah i yeah. don't like that They're- the first thing the first <laughs> the first um comparison that i thought of because i like plants was like a wing stem plant you know what i'm talking stem. about no i've no oh, idea what okay. you're talking there's about. these plants that are wings they're called wing stems because they have little wings on their stems and it looks exactly what? like bird feet if you think about it, kind of. If you like what? squint and don't look that hard, it looks <laughs> like a bird foot. <laughs> it looks like this kind of bird foot. Oh, like a yeah. lobed foot. Yes, I yes, see. yes. I see. Let me find okay. a good example just for you. Thanks. Maybe. Okay. Okay, this isn't a good one, but it, it's not just like a round stem. Like it literally has like edges on it that like extend out from oh. the stem. Oh. And sometimes they're not solid. Like that one's solid, but the one of the, most of the ones I see are kind of more like like this. Like, yeah. Like a bird foot. Yes. <laughs> or a paddle, which is easier to yes. picture cuz so since most nobody's people gonna are know plant nerds. Yes. I feel like no <laughs> nobody's going to get the reference. <laughs> so I didn't to say it. A wing wing foot. What the heck wing is it stem. called? Wing stem. Good grief. <laughs> but basically, if you picture a little bone in the center of a toe, it's a bone. Little digits, okay? You've got like a skeleton hand finger. Yes. Got it. Okay. So imagine it has wings on each side like a maple seed. This doesn't make any sense. It's another plant reference. A flat. <laughs> the paddle was good. The and then there's a like bone in the middle. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so what's cool about it is that these lobed feet, the reason they're so good in water is because... Like, you know, when you're in the water, if you take a flat hand and move it through the water with your mm-hmm. palm facing forward, it drags. Mm-hmm. But then if you turn your hand so that, like, the side of your hand is slicing through the water, yeah. it moves through fast. So basically, if you're paddling backwards, it opens up to a lobe. Mm-hmm. But then when you pull the foot forward, the lobes like kind of fold. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, skinny little fingers. Oh that go up through the water, so it's a really easy way to paddle. Yeah. So phalaropes are masters of the water. Very cool. If you want an easy way to float, you what? just cup your hands and you do little figure eights beside you. Ooh. And it keeps you afloat without having to, like, kick your feet or anything. Nice. Like, it's really cool. Excellent. Thank you for that pro swimming tip. You're so welcome. <laughs> I took lessons when Yay. I was 10. That's the only thing I remember. <laughs> it's the only thing you remember from your swim lessons. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, I've totally lost track of where we were. They have cool feet. They have very cool feet for swimming because they like to swim. Yes. Yep. And they're pretty neat. And so they like to swim in circles. That was a fun word, semi-palmate. So if you see a, and that's not really technically the, the foot type for these guys because mm. they have those weird lobe feet, lobate feet, um, but they still have that sort of semi-palmate quality to the foot. Okay. It's just, that's not like the primary foot type. Mm-hmm. So when you see that word in bird names, it's just talking about their feet. Now you know. The more you know. Rainbow. <laughs> we both made like the reading rainbow <laughs> sign. Um, <laughs> yep. So that's phalaropes. Okay. So the second awesome thing about phalaropes. Yes. Which is in my book, the first most important thing. I mean, amazing. it's really cool. I just think about that video that you showed 
all the time. Of, like It's do? like zoomed oh. way in and it's one fallow rope swimming in circles and then like it zooms out and it's like five and it zooms out even more and there's like a thousand of them just... <laughs> I think about that. Anytime you say the word phalarope, that is the first thing that pops into my mind is that video, that yes. specific one. So, yeah. Like the slow reveal of yes. all the phalaropes. Yes, it's, yes. it's amazing. Um, so yeah, I guess that's that. it is very cool. That's why it's on my short list. <laughs> but the most awesome thing for me as a bird lover about phalaropes mm-hmm. is their gender reversals because there's yeah. nothing else like that like get complete in the bird world. Yeah. And I just love that phalaropes kind of proved wrong some of those very early biologists assumptions about yeah. how gender always has to work mm-hmm. in animals. So Audubon famously painted them wrong oh, originally. Wow. Yeah, because he labeled the females as the males and vice versa. Yeah. Because they just didn't understand and the females behaved how biologists at the time expected all male animals to behave. Yeah. It just totally blew them out of the water. And like it just makes me really happy because the little male phalaropes just get to rep all those hardworking, <laughs> loving, doting <laughs> single fathers out there. Yes. And yes. the world needs more of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. So so here's the deal with phalaropes. Wait, actually let me pop quiz you because you should oh, know God. this stuff. Nicole, so um, I can't possibly remember everything that you tell me. I mean, that's fair, but, but we're going to do anyway. Okay. <laughs> so, which gender is the colorful one? The lady. The lady is the most colorful one. <laughs> which gender takes care of the babies? The male. The male. Which, which sex? Yes. Which. Sex, I think for biologists in the public speaking sector, even though sex is the appropriate term for mm-hmm. biological gender, for lack of a better word, yeah. sometimes we're afraid to use that word mm-hmm. if children might be listening. Mark gave us permission to change gender on our turkey fact board to, to sex. sex. Nice. I was okay. very proud of that. And that is the, the biologically correct term yeah. um, because birds don't have gender. Yeah. Like Technically, you can say they might have gender roles or something, mm-hmm. and you can see differences in that. But you can't ask a phalarope how it identifies. You yeah. just see its biological sex and its behaviors. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that is different. Anyway, okay, so which sex watches the babies? The males. The males. <laughs> which sex has multiple partners? The females. The females. Yeah, so it's it's literally a total reversal of everything we think we know about birds and how Definitely. they take care of their young reproductively. So mm-hmm. that's super cool. It is, it is. Okay, um, so like the whole color dimorphism thing is really self-explanatory. We don't need to know that. For listeners who don't know biology stuff, dimorphism just means that there's a difference in the appearance of animals. And in this case, it would be sexual dimorphism because Mm -hmm. the difference has to do with the sexes of the animals. So the males have one color, the females have a different color, and you can always tell the difference Mm -hmm. based on those color differences. Just like a male lion usually will have a mane and usually the females will not. Though there are maned female lions yep so there's always mm-hmm. those little weirdos out there proving everything wrong yeah and, and that's, that's just based on like the endocrinology of the animal yeah. like I, I actually saw that um we described the endocrinology of phalaropes back Ooh. in the 70s yeah and how that relates to their uh sex dimorphism and their sex roles mm-hmm. because once people figured out that there was a difference everybody yeah. was like what and they had their <laughs> minds just completely blown yeah and i think the only reason they figured it out was because they watched them and they were like now, wait a second. <laughs> uh, one of them is laying the eggs. Yeah. And it's not the one we thought it would be. Uh-huh. Also other, like, copulatory behaviors. Yeah. Let's talk about, like, social stuff, mm-hmm. I guess. And then we can talk about, like, raising the babies, maybe. Mm-hmm. So when the phalaropes are pairing up, they don't form strong bonds. They don't make, like, commitments to each other during any part of the year. Mm-hmm. And like biologists might have expected based on the behaviors of male birds and other species, the females compete very heavily for the males. Yeah. So they will fight each other over access to males. And then when they have picked their their partner, they will actually do like dancing and initiate the the sort of pair relationship with that male. And then the male is like, okay, I dig you or not or whatever. Yeah. And and so the female kind of has those like dances that you might think the males would do. It's not yeah. like elaborate or anything, mm-hmm. but it's still like a little like 
dance display. That's yeah, pretty cute. Yeah, it's like, like completely opposite. Yeah, completely opposite. So here's where it also stays totally opposite. Once they mate, mm-hmm. um, the, the female will sometimes guard her male. Mm-hmm. So, you know, keeping other females from having access to him yeah. until she lays her eggs. And so the female will pick a nest spot. Yeah. And she'll be like, this looks good. She <laughs> will not build a nest. Yeah. She just kind of, at the very minimum or maximum, I guess, at the very maximum, she would just scrape out like a little divot and just mm-hmm. like lay the eggs there. Yeah. That's and- true for a lot of shorebirds. Are there any shorebirds that like actually make nests? Yes. Really? Oh. Upland sandpipers do. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, I don't know anything. Cool. But like, they're barely associated with shores, so like, they're weird and multiple. But they're ways. still a shorebird. They're still <sighs> in the same group. They still have shorebird characteristics, and I guess. their egg laying is exactly the same. But okay. anyway, so um, no, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay, I guess. Um, but yeah, so here's here's where it gets kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. After the female lays her eggs, what does she do? Leaves. Yeah, and you know that because we were talking. This is like one of my favorite parts. Like she just takes off. And yeah. She's like, see you later, and then leaves him with the nest. And so he takes over. At that point, he actually will cover the nest and like build it up so it's like a little bit more like secluded and Aww. like hidden. And they will all nest kind of in the same area in like a little mm-hmm. colony, basically. So he takes over. Yeah. When like, she's gone, like that females males or like just all the males all in general. The males. Okay. Yeah. There will be like like a whole field of male yeah. phalaropes and they'll all nest in that one oh, field. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of cute. It's cool. <laughs> but that's probably why they have to guard yeah. their males because they don't want mm-hmm. some other lady coming in, taking that male and his parenting yeah. skills away from her. Definitely. So, yeah. And then, what does she do? She does not migrate. So, eventually, she does just nope the heck out of there. Uh-huh. But before that, she can go find other males. Oh, yeah. And she will actually lay more than one nest mm-hmm. during a breeding season so if there's still males that don't have nests yeah she'll go around and find another one and have a nest of eggs for him and yeah. leave him with a nest and they can do this up to three or four times yeah um depending on the resources available and how many males there are to yeah. take care of the babies that's what i was gonna ask like what do they eat to be able to produce that many eggs like that's pretty intense invertebrates so yeah. they, they will nest very close to um either lakes mm-hmm or uh, the shore. Mm-hmm. So they're associated heavily with saltwater, even mm-hmm. when they're nesting. They just might feed a little bit differently because it might be easier to get invertebrates yeah. out of the shoreline and stuff. But okay. yeah, so they're, they're feeding on the same things. Yeah. They're just really efficient feeders because they're Very. dumb spinning. <laughs> hey, don't call it dumb. It works. I mean, it does. It you does. can call it dumb. It is dumb. <laughs> they look like idiots and it's beautiful. Yes, it is. Um, yeah, so they produce all these eggs. And then when they're finished and they're satisfied with the number of eggs they've had, mm-hmm. they leave the entire continent. Yeah. And they migrate early and completely take off. So there are no female phalaropes left in the breeding grounds by the yeah. end of the breeding season. Jeez. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. So, like, they'll just nope off to Argentina. <laughs> and just completely abandon the males. Yeah. So they have nothing to do with any of the children at all. Isn't that crazy? It's my dream job. Yeah, right? Like, that's, <laughs> it's like being a, a, a grandmother. Yeah. Right? Like, true. people always say, like, being the grandmother is the best because you get mm-hmm. all the good stuff and yep. none of the bad stuff. Yep. Yep. You just get to enjoy the social benefits of having other, other phallo ribs around with none <laughs> of the work. <laughs> yes. Amazing. Okay, so let's talk about the male's role then. Mm-hmm. Shorebird nests. You, I'm, I'm like looking at you weird because I don't I'm know scared. if you know this, and I'm excited because maybe I'll be able to teach you something about shorebird nesting. But you've, have you seen like a killdeer nest? It's just like a scrape, and like the eggs blend in with the little pebbles. And yeah, like, yeah. So they're very like we call it cryptic coloration yes. because it's like camouflage basically. Mm-hmm. And how many eggs are there? I think three in killdeer. Four. Four. Okay. Okay. So yeah, for shorebirds, almost. Every single nest has four babies. But why? But why? I'm glad you asked. So when you backup think of babies. No, not backup <laughs> babies. They all matter, Nicole. Every single baby matters. Not to all birds. What's that big scary one that looks like a Muppet? Shoebill. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to a phalarope, they matter, Nicole. Okay. We're talking about phalaropes, okay, not... Okay, okay. Horrible baby murdering birds in other groups, okay? I mean, they don't murder it. They just stop caring for it. They murder by omission of care. <laughs> murder by neglect. Okay. Which, it isn't really technically murder because it's just what these birds do. Yeah. It sucks from our human perspective, but mm-hmm. from the bird perspective, that's just what you got to do. Yeah. 
Anyway, whoa, 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 whoa. Real, real, real quick. Did what? you know that giant pandas are the same way? They often have two babies, but they can only ever support one at a what? time. What? I didn't know that. Yeah, I think like 50% of uh, giant panda litters? Sure. I don't know. Or have two. So they have twins like 50% of the time, but they can only ever have the resources to care for one. Weird. Just a little backup baby just in case. So I guess in like zoo settings, when they're trying to do a species survival plan, they probably yeah. always yeah. do their best to save every single yes. baby. Yeah. yeah. They'll often take them and bottle feed them and do whatever needs to be done. But in the wild, only one would survive. Wow. And they only have like one litter a year. So this is why we don't have giant pandas and they're all dying because they're yeah. horrible at reproducing. Yeah. It cracks me up. Yeah. <laughs> you have one job, pandas. <laughs> have baby pandas. Yeah. It's not that hard. Oh, gosh. Anyways. Um, Fowler-ups are much better parents. Okay, good. And by parents, I mean fathers because they're all fathers. <laughs> Single dads represent. Yes. Um, so shorebirds almost always have four eggs and there's exceptions. Sometimes mm-hmm. they'll have three in a weird case, they might have five, yeah. but their bodies are biologically built to incubate five e- four eggs, excuse me, to incubate four eggs. You're lying to me all the time. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> That's um, weird. So when you think of birds incubating things, normally you just think of them like poofing up their feathers mm-hmm. and like m- some birds will have a, they have like divots on their bellies for the eggs. Oh my gosh. Okay, but it's not like divots in their skin it's or muscle. It's divots in their feathers. Oh. So some birds will have what we call a brood, brood patch. patch. Yep, where their skin gets very vascularized, which means it gets extra hot because lots of blood is flowing to it. It gets extra warm. Mm-hmm. Some of the feathers will fall out and it'll be like a big bald patch. In shorebirds, they have exactly four bald patches in the exact arrangement of shorebird egg nests. That's weird. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> And okay, this is also really cool. Oh, I should show you. Um, we actually have a ceramic killdeer egg yes. in my office, and it shows the weird egg shape. So shorebirds mm-hmm. have a unique egg shape too. Where okay, you're nodding your head because you get it. <laughs> so so basically, I want you to picture like a wheel of cheese. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> picture a wheel of cheese in your head, listeners, and Nicole. Yes, I got it. <laughs> now I want you to cut the wheel of cheese into fourths. Oh my god. <laughs> So, so now you have like an individual like slice of cheese. <laughs> Stay with me, okay? So you can see. <laughs> why are you are you crying? Are you gonna be okay? Why are you crying? Because it's funny. <laughs> this is a good I, metaphor. I, mean, I love your metaphors, like the necklaces, and just like. <laughs> I don't know. I would never think to think of a wheel of cheese to describe an egg shape. <laughs> We're talking about four eggs. I know. Okay, so you got a slice of cheese yeah. <laughs> from a wheel of cheese. Yep. You see how the one end that's shorter is curved <laughs> because it's from a wheel of cheese. <laughs> Nicole, stay yeah. with me. I'm you got so it. with you. Okay. <laughs> now you see how the other end is, is really pointed because yes. you cut it from a wheel of cheese. That's a shorebird egg. I know. But three-dimensional. So that they spin and they don't <laughs> fall in the water. Yeah, that's literally it. Okay, but here's the thing that makes it extra cool. They have that egg shape. Uh, Nicole. Extra <laughs> cool. Extra cool. Picture, you have that individual. This is, I hope somebody, picture like what I described, but an egg. So you mean... It's like, like three-dimensional. Yeah, it's like chicken, a chicken eggs egg. are also shaped like that. A chicken of. egg, but no, even no, fatter no, on the it's, end. it's not yeah, at all like a chicken I, egg. I know, it's like... Okay, so picture a chicken egg. You're making shapes with your hand that don't look anything like an egg. <laughs> <laughs> I tried my best. Okay, but it's literally like like um like the shape slice. I described. So it's like there's a wedge in the front. A pizza slice. And then it's curved, but it's a very, very, like, it's very unequal. Yes. Because when you take four eggs and put them together with the small tip facing inward, mm-hmm. it makes basically a square. Yeah. And that's the shape that these eggs make when they're in the nest. That's awesome. And the bald patches on, in this case, the father, because mm-hmm. the father's the one that makes late, raises the babies. In the so the females don't have a bald patch at all? No, because okay. they don't do any yeah, incubation. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So the males have this, and it aligns exactly where those four eggs would be. So if you have one fewer egg, I guess it would work. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have one extra egg, it could be difficult to raise them. They can still do it. Yeah. But it's really like 
built to maximize the efficiency of raising exactly four babies. That's really cool. And it's really useful if you're a killdeer or something where like you just laid your eggs in the sand and mm-hmm. there's nothing holding them there. Like, okay, a fallow rope can build up its nest a little bit and kind of mm-hmm. keep them all in one location, but not all shorebirds do that. And so it's a really useful trait to keep your eggs from just like rolling off when you go <laughs> to leave the nest to like, mm-hmm. you know, do your bird things. Yeah. Someone at Casey, like I, like I knew this. Casey as in... I don't know what it stands for. K- Kansas Association for Conservation Conservation and Environmental Education. There you go. Something like that. K-A-C-E-E. It's a conference. It's yeah. super cool. Um, like, I, I knew that they were shaped like that, but she actually had a bunch of eggs, and she, like, flicked one, and it was, like, on top of a table, and it came, like, right to the edge of the table and then, like, spun out, like a car Ooh. drifting and, like, and like you know, it went in a circle because that's yeah. what they're made to do so that they don't roll into the water. And it was, like, really cool seeing that visually. Yeah. And I feel like we should start doing that, like, on bird programs. That's a really good idea. It was really cool. She's like, every once in a while it falls on the, on the ground, but it's not a real egg, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and we have just, the ceramic ones. So, yeah, like, they're yeah. perfect replicas. I, I haven't, like, officially worked with phalaropes mm-hmm. as a species, but I... um did some field work alongside a partner of ours that was doing phalarope research. Mm-hmm. And so I like literally lived with them and would go like check out their stuff sometimes yeah. just for fun. And they would take some shorebird eggs. Like there was a golden plover project and a phalarope project going nice. on at the same time. And um, one of the projects involved dummy eggs. Oh. And so like they handmade little wooden eggs and painted them <laughs> to like look like uh, golden plover eggs. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that cute? That's awesome. So you can like make them yourselves, I guess is my point. But you know, if you've like rolled a chicken egg or whatever, yeah. it, it will just kind of wobble and go fall on the floor. Yeah. But not shorebird eggs. Yeah. It's they different. Spin. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's really cool. So anyway, that's pretty neat. Their eggs are cool. So anyway, dad incubates them. And then they hatch, and he's a single parent with oh. approximately four mouths to feed. <laughs> <laughs> and when ba- baby shorebirds hatch, <laughs> what do they look like? There's little poof balls on stilts. Yes. <laughs> so, so shorebirds are what we call precocial yes. babies. There's like three different types of babies. You're either precocial, which is like, think of a precocious little youngster running around getting into trouble, right? They're like ducklings and chickens. Chicks? <laughs> and Egyptians. Uh, spiny mice. Egyptian spiny mice, yes. So they can apply <laughs> to other groups of animals too. But in birds, <laughs> basically they're born with their eyes open and they can kind of take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. They they still often need parent supervision and stuff, but yeah. they can walk and run and, and do bird things basically. Mm-hmm. You can also be altricial, which is like you're naked, ugly, blind, and completely helpless jelly bean opossum babies and giant panda babies and giant panda babies it all comes back to giant pandas (laughs) oh those robins nesting on your porch altricial they are totally helpless they Mm -hmm. just kind of sit there and and their parents even have to eat their poop for them because they can't even manage to do that on their own (laughs) (laughs) you showed a video of that before too (laughs) so gnarly it's kind of cute it comes out in little sacks it's like a fecal sack so instead of being like a splat of bird poop baby bird poop for altricial babies it's like in a little packet so that the parents can clean it up and just eat it for them. <laughs> you just slurp it down. It's really fascinating because I had never is. seen a video of that before. Yeah. Like, again, one of those things, like, I knew, uh-huh. but, like, seeing it was like, oh! Uh, yeah, it's totally different. Yeah. Um, and so there's also birds in between, like, falcons that are, mm-hmm. like, they, they have some feathers. They're maybe not totally blind or they develop eyesight pretty early or they're born mm-hmm. with eyesight but they're still like in a nest and have to be taken care of or whatever so yeah. whatever anyway little biology lesson for you even though you already <laughs> knew it nicole it's for our listeners i guess <laughs> um but the baby phalaropes they will kind of hang out in their nest with mm-hmm. dad um when they're pretty young and and he'll take care of them mm-hmm. and bring them food and things like that but he's responsible for everything so he'll brood the babies mm-hmm. he will um lead them around and teach them how to feed yeah and he will also show them how to migrate because remember oh, yeah all the moms took off they're gone by the uh-huh. time the baby phalaropes are old enough to begin their migration south mm-hmm. um this is a type of bird that has to learn their migration that's true for most birds they have okay. to follow the flock yeah. to learn the migration path that they will eventually take mm-hmm. on their own um and i guess phalaropes 
never really migrate on their own. Yeah. <laughs> um, but even even the little daughters, every single phalarope mm-hmm. learns how to migrate from their dad. And their yeah. dads will take them on those journeys and That's teach adorable. them how to be adults. Aww. Yeah. Isn't that so precious? <laughs> so they, they do everything. Mm-hmm. And it's beautiful and wonderful. And there's nothing... Mm, there's very little cuter than a baby shorebird. And phalaropes oh, yeah. are no exception. Yeah. Like, they have just these giant feet like picture a german shepherd puppy you know like with the feet that are way too big for their body Mm -hmm. (laughs) but like a giant foot it's ridiculous Mm -hmm. and one thing that's kind of crazy is that they they literally grow into their feet so when we would band the babies yeah we could put bands on them when they were babies yeah because they would grow into their feet <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> so they're just ridiculous and i say we as if i did it all the time like i i got to help the grad student who was doing that project mm-hmm. with it um on one occasion i went with her to check the nests yeah and it was really sweet because um so for this project they had predator exclusion devices mm-hmm. over yeah. the nest so that they knew for a fact that visiting the nest to take samples, Mm -hmm. not samples, to take measurements of the babies and and Mm -hmm. to monitor data and stuff, they knew that that wasn't bringing more predators in. And that's pretty important for like a colony nesting bird as well, you know, because a lot of human activity could bring in foxes and stuff that would eat them. Yeah. Um, So they were totally protected, which was great because you never had nest depredation. Yeah. (laughs) And um, dad was always there with the babies. Mm -hmm. And so you would find the nest and then dad would you know eventually fly away you basically had to be on top of the nest yeah. before dad would try to leave because he's like so devoted to the babies he would just mm-hmm. sit there like sometimes you'd have to like literally like pretend like you were going to touch him to yeah. get him to leave because he would not move oh off his yeah. babies and then we would take the babies out and put them in a cooler to keep them warm without Aww. their dad so we could work with them individually and there'd be like a little hand warmer in there for Aww. them and stuff <laughs> And uh, dad would stay right, right by us, like within feet of us, Uh making little worried chirps to make sure the babies were okay, watching the entire process. Mm -hmm. And then when we would put the babies back on the nest, when we were finished, Mm -hmm. dad would come right back on it and take care of the babies. Like they're super devoted little guys. It was really, really precious. Yeah. and they're just so stinking cute. So I, I will definitely be posting a gratuitous picture of myself with a handful of baby redneck phalaropes. Yes, please. <laughs> because it's so stinking cute. And because mm-hmm. they're not like the super long-nosed shorebirds, and mm-hmm. this is, I guess, true of all baby birds, but their their beaks tend to be less developed than adults. So they are just like tiny, cute little beaks. Yeah. And it's ridiculous. Aww. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love great. baby phalaropes. So yeah. I mean... How could you not? <laughs> That's amazing. It's impossible. They're like the exact color of the lichen and stuff oh, around them too. Yeah. So you know how the eggs are super camouflaged? Uh-huh. Yeah. Baby shorebirds, same. That's awesome. Super camouflaged. Like, have you ever seen a picture of a baby uh, golden plover? Are they speckly? Yeah. They're like speckled think, yeah. green like lichen. Aww. It's so cute. Oh, I mean, not like their whole bodies, but like they have little speckles of green mm-hmm. and stuff. It's so cute. <laughs> I'm going to show you a picture. Okay. I'm ready. I did not spell baby right. How is that possible? <laughs> that was the easiest word in that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Look. Oh my God. Look at it. Oh. I've seen it. this exact picture before. Have you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Describe oh it. Describe it. Describe it. I mean. For the listeners who can't see this. It just look, it looks like a cotton ball. <laughs> that With wings. He, well, you can't even hardly see his wings. So cotton ball with a little tiny beak and you just like took a paintbrush and just dabbled in some green and some black and some yellow. Yeah. It's a little baby It's like a cotton ball that you left out too long and it got some mold on it. <laughs> I don't <laughs> know what was on bird. that cotton ball to grow mold, but. That was a less cute description than I, I was hoping for. That's okay. But <laughs> um, that's what it looks like. Dude, one time, so we, we work closely with a rehabilitator in Milford Nature Center sometimes. Mm -hmm. And when I was in school in Manhattan, um, I would go volunteer there sometimes. And Vanessa had a baby killdeer that was being looked after. And I know you've held them. They're so cute. It just like, your your heart. I I told Nicole this (laughs) while we watched the Piper Mm -hmm. short. We're harping on this again um, from the the Disney Pixar short, Piper. It made me like really upset, but in a sad way. Yeah. 
because they animated this little baby sandpiper mm-hmm. with like basically adult bird feathers and like yeah. adult bird wings mm-hmm. and it was like small and cute or whatever but it had like adult feathers like no what a travesty <laughs> like in their in their efforts to mm-hmm. make a really cute baby bird they made it less cute yeah. by being inaccurate like no your baby sandpiper is supposed to be a cotton ball of yeah. fluff uh-huh. silly pixar animators <laughs> It's still pretty dang cute, though. I mean, it's kind of cute. But for me, like, (laughs) I'm not even exaggerating. (laughs) Like, to be perfectly honest, I I was, like, mad enough to, like, think, like, it wasn't as cute as it should have (laughs) been. Like, this is That's fair. This is not cute. Like uh-huh. it's just like a, a smaller it, it looked like an adult bird yeah. who was malnourished and oh. therefore its growth wasn't right. Gosh. <laughs> you put it like that and just ruin it all, I guess. <laughs> Sorry to completely ruin cute Pixar shorts for you, but <laughs> real birds are cuter than I that. Know. Real birds will always be cuter though. Like they're so hard to animate. They I thought they did an excellent job animating the adult birds though. Yeah. Like that was perfect. Mm-hmm. Which I think made it more egregious that the baby was so bad. Yeah. Maybe he was like an adolescent. No! Absolutely. By the time they develop adult feathers, mm. they're adult sized. No. <laughs> they tried. Not very hard. Gosh, the shade. I have no chill for inaccurate representations of cute birds that are actually cute in real life. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, you, you do talk about how you know how to train your dragon did the best at bird animations oh, for yeah. that like five seconds for scene. sure in my opinion in the, in the original how to train your dragon there's one little clip of toothless looking up at a tree sorry for anybody i just completely lost for referencing how to train your dragon i love this movie top three movie soundtracks um but there's this little scene where he looks up at the bird and it flies away and he just like gets really sad because he can't fly like that bird is so well animated it is it like, is it's so hard to animate birds because they're mm-hmm. so weird anyway. they are so weird yep well that's everything that's in my opinion the best thing about phalaropes that's my favorite thing about phalaropes which is one of my favorite birds and now you know why yeah yeah they're amazing <laughs> how could you not love them you like you have to oh my gosh it's required <laughs> Yes, yes. We need to go to Quivira and look at phalaropes. I feel like I never have time for that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's rough. We need to make time for it because yes. it's worth it. Yes. It so is, though. Like, yeah. the first time I went to Quivira, like, again, one of those things that you just have to see it. Like, the thousands and thousands of birds yeah. just on the water. Or if you get there right at sunset, like, you know, they fly right at sunset, sunrise. Well, probably both, both, actually, yeah. I guess. But sunrise is better because there's more. Mm-hmm. Um, and watching like 10,000 pelicans fly over your head is just like... It's incredible. Yeah. Mind-blowing. Like the cacophony of yes. cranes. Yes. And um, I've, I've been there for several sunsets during migration season mm-hmm. when there's just blackbirds mm-hmm. for days. Yeah. And I mean, I've been there with seasoned birders. Like I would never have the guts to make this kind of statement, but yeah. um, seasoned birders who who have estimated those flocks in the millions yeah. of, of just blackbirds alone. Yeah. And that's a bird that, you know, it's, I guess, not technically very exciting. Most of them are red-winged blackbirds. It's mm-hmm. a very common bird, I guess is what I mean. Yeah. Um, sometimes there's yellow-headed blackbirds those in those groups. Amazing. So cool. But seeing any bird, no matter how many times you've seen them, in the millions, like yeah. operating in one, like wave after wave after wave yes. of them just disappearing into the grasses. And it's just amazing to see. It really is. And if you go in the fall, you can also catch monarchs in the thousands. Yeah. Roosting in the trees at sunset. So. Yeah. Fall migration so cool. is the best, um, which we're, you know, too late for that. But it's <laughs> <laughs> definitely December now. Yeah. Um, there are bird counts, though, if you like. Mm-hmm birds that's one of my favorite things about the holiday season Aww. is christmas bird counts yeah <laughs> and hopefully we get to go to the quivera one this year but there's no phalaropes anymore what i have a confession what i've never done a christmas bird count really yeah you, you didn't go in any of the ones we we did in the mm-hmm. last year oh no. that's sad i don't like the cold though that's fair <laughs> and every single christmas bird count at quivera it's like negative 10 yeah in, in like 60 mile per hour winds right because and, we're in kansas right and you're out in the middle of a salt marsh plain so there's yes. no trees to block it and it's yeah. extra cold like whatever temperature it is when you leave your house mm-hmm. it's gonna be 10 degrees colder at quivera yes yeah but it seems like this year maybe not so much it might be kind of warmish it might be yeah and 
most of that count because, well, mm-hmm. I guess every bird count I've been on, mm-hmm. unless you go on a particular route, mm-hmm. it's mostly in the car yeah. um, because you're trying to cover so much ground and uh, you want to get out at certain spots to, to walk around and try to get like a better representation of species and stuff. But like literally for anybody who has no idea what the heck we're talking about, a Christmas <laughs> bird count is literally just a, a day where you go out and you count birds. Yeah. And different Audubon groups organize it. I think Kansas Ornithological Society really organizes a lot of them mm-hmm. for, for us in Kansas. Um, but the Audubon groups lead them. So our Wichita count is next Saturday, the 14th of December. Yes. And the Quivira one is the Tuesday after that. And there's a whole list of them all over Kansas. Mm-hmm. My, my problem is that um, – I'm often working on Saturdays and yeah. stuff. Like, I'm missing the Wichita bird count because we're working. Both yeah. of us are working. And fortunately, I'm able to work for some of them. But it's also hard to justify mm-hmm. spending work hours to go drive out to the middle of nowhere for yeah. some of the accounts that really need help. Yeah. But it can be fun. And don't be intimidated by the fact that, like, you're a newbie or whatever. Because oh, no. The best way to learn is to get out there with some bird nerds and be oh, like what's yeah. that what's that what's that what's that what's that like like that's and, a, yeah yeah and especially like you can listen to bird calls online but they have such regional differences like the tufted titmouse makes has like 25 or more different like unique calls that it makes depending uh-huh. on where it lives listening to them online will get you an idea of what that bird sounds like but you really need to go out and like bird locally with some nerds yeah and learn it that way yeah like plus like with different studying styles and stuff, at mm-hmm. least for me, I find that I remember mm-hmm. things about birds or specific species better when I've actually had an experience yes. with them in yes. the actual wild. Like yeah. I can read through a list of birds and look at all the pictures and have like a vague recognition of something, Definitely. but I will never forget mm-hmm. seeing a flock of cedar wax wings yes. on a Christmas bird count for the first time or whatever, little, you know? nasally little noises that they yeah, make. Yeah. <laughs> no, and for yeah. any people who are like baby birders and just starting mm-hmm. to get into it, like whatever your age is, come on out. And yeah. if you're a young birder who's a baby birder and you want to get started, like mm-hmm. we can totally use your ears too because some of yeah. those super high whistling ones are, are really difficult to hear unless you have like yeah. really good ears. Mm-hmm. Lend your senses and your time and your note-taking skills to a Christmas bird count. Yes. Okay, this got way off topic. Um, <laughs> count it as volunteer hours, maybe? Yeah, totally. you can totally count it as like a volunteer <laughs> service or something. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Do it. Okay. Okay. Well, thanks, Rachel, for your time and your expertise. No problema. She just got real close to the mic in case you can't tell. It was a little <laughs> creepy. Um, but yeah. Uh, check out our show notes on the website gpnc.org slash that's hyphen my hyphen favorite yeah. as Rachel says it uh, shoot us an email like we said at my favorite at gpnc.org feel free to stalk us on our website too and just email us directly if you oh, want we yeah. don't we don't care absolutely that's what we're there for yeah all of our emails are <laughs> super easy it's our first name at gpnc.org <laughs> you just gotta figure out how to spell it so yeah, good luck and I'm not gonna help you Wow. Um, <laughs> but thanks so much to our producers, the Great Plains Nature Center, for letting us use work hours to make all these beautiful podcasts. Yeah. Uh, follow us on various social medias. Um, and we'll be back in a couple weeks with more favorites because everything's our favorite. Everything. Everything. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. But, um, and that's, never mind, side, side, side track. Stay on focus, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs>